Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, I've been a father now five times. Five times strong. I believe it or not, people look at me and they're like, "You guys have five kids." I'm like, "Yeah, and two grandkids." You know, and they're like, "What? How do you look so amazing?" And I'm like, "We live in Southern California. You know, <laughs> it's clearly the water." You know, <laughs> no. I was, some of you know my story. I was a, a young dad, um, had a child when I was 20 years old outside of wedlock. I do not recommend that, by the way. Um, but my daughter uh, is uh, now she's 25. She's beautiful, amazing. She's married, great guy. Texts me this morning, happy Father's Day message. And uh, she has two incredible little babies. So we have grandbabies that are just amazing and we just miss them like crazy. They're on the other side of the country over in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then when I was a young man, uh, after I got my life right and one foot in front of the other, started going to church and was single. I just swore off all dating. I said, I'm not going to date another person until I meet my wife, Lord. So I would not date anybody. And, and, I, and I became a youth pastor at that church. And if, if you're, one, if you're a man of God, but two, if you're a man of God that's involved in any aspect of ministry, it's like every woman in the church, it's like all the moms and the grandmas and the aunts, they're just like, I have somebody for you to meet, you know? And it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's like, going through a buffet line. It's like too much, you know? So I just swore off dating all together, and I said, I'm going to stay single until I meet my wife. And then uh, we were praying, and there was a girl whose name was on a prayer card at church, and we would pray and fast our meals during the week and just believe that God was going to rock them and that they were going to get saved. And there was one, one, one of the girls that came to our prayer meeting. She said, we need to pray for my roommate. Uh, she's just, she's addicted to partying, and she goes out all the time, and she's driving me crazy, and I said, what's her name, and they said, Fawn, and so we would pray for this girl, Fawn, true story, and then a few months into it, we're praying, and then a few months, she came to Jesus, man, prayer works, so she came to Jesus, and her life has never been the same since, you know, so she, and then she married me, so, <laughs> because of Jesus. <laughs> So we've been married now for over 20 years, and, uh, and we, we had a bunch of kids. When you started having kids, you know, people, people are like, yes, way to go. That's so great. And Brighton, you know, she was like so easy and just came out laughing and giggling and just such an incredible child. And then we had Juju. And Juju, <laughs> Juju was bright and beautiful, and everybody loved her, but she was in charge, man. Like, like she, was, she was, you know, some kids are leaders. But then there's other kids that are like, I'm going to run the world someday, you know, <clears throat> pretty headstrong. And, and that was fun. And then we finally got our boy, River, and he was, you know, he, he, everybody loved him because, you know, he's the firstborn boy, you know, in the family. And so he was just so cute and fun. And then the fifth child, you know, by the time you get to your last one, it's just like, you know, people are like, oh, so what's going on in your world? You were like, we're pregnant. And they're like, okay, cool. Can you pass the salad dressing? You know, you know. And like it does, you know, so, so, you know, August, you know, we were, Fawn was six months pregnant with August when we moved from Seattle, Washington to Ventura, California. We were helping some friends of ours plant a church in Ventura. And so she's six months pregnant. We say yes to God. We're totally broke, but God provided. And we go down and we help plant this church. And, uh, and by the time the fifth one rolls around, I mean, you're like, you got this, you know? And so Fawn was like, I'm going to have the baby at home. So August was just born at home on the floor. 
I caught him. <laughs> Catcher's mitt, you know? He was a slippery little guy when he came out, you know? And he, August, when he was little, he was kind of like El Chapo because he could climb, but you could never keep him anywhere. He would break out of everything, like, you know? So, you know, we, we put him in, yeah, El Chapo, somebody's just getting that. So, uh, so, he, so we, we, we put him into his, his you know, his, his, his uh, what do they call that thing? Crib, thank you. Crib for 500, Alex. So we put him into the crib, and, and all of a sudden, he'd, we'd hear the doorknob. We're like, what the heck is he? He, can, he doesn't even really know how to walk. How did he crawl out of his crib? He couldn't walk, but he would find a way to MacGyver himself out of his crib and then open the door. And so one day, Sofan and I were there, and we're, we're leading this young group, and we're pastoring a bunch of young professionals and young marriage group at our church. And and we're having everybody over to our house, and it's one of our first gatherings. And so all these people that are, like, new to Jesus, they were just starting to come to our house, and we have just teach them the Bible and, you know, baptize them. Like, many of you are going to get baptized today. And it was just rad and raw and fun. And one of the dudes that I was discipling knocks on the door, and I open the door, and there's he's holding August, butt naked. And I'm like, what the heck? He goes, dude, this he was walking down the street. <laughs> I'm like... Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm a pastor, and I seriously need help parenting my kids, you know. <laughs> so we have a bunch of kids, and life is grand. You get out of the car with five kids, though. Like, when they were all little, we, I think Cassie was 16 when August was born, so we had quite the spread, you know. And we get out of the car, and one after the other, and people keep, they're like, is this a pra practical joke? Like, you know, like, how many kids can you fit in a car? You know, somebody would be like, wow, you have a lot of kids. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Can I punch you in the face right now? I know I have a lot of kids. Like, you know, I know that, you know. People say, what was it like having your fifth? And I said, you know, it's like just pretend you're drowning and someone hands you a baby, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we could barely breathe. One time we went into a restaurant and we're taking headcount and we're going, we're missing one. Well, oh, stink. Race back to the car. River was sitting in his car seat still. He's just crying. He watched us all just walk away and go, it's like, ah, don't leave me. I promise you, your heavenly father will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? So if you're a father in here or you're a spiritual father to people in here, happy Father's Day. Uh, we're, we're welcoming of you and grateful for you and all that you do. Uh, we're going to turn today, we're going to take a look, I'm going to preach to you from the topic of the Father's blessing. So if you're one of those type A note takers, and I highly recommend you are, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. And so if, if you're, uh, if you got your Bibles with me today, turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we're also going to be going back to Genesis chapter 12. And I know that we have maybe one of our uh, monitors here is blinking. Maybe it's you know, got some sty in its eye on this monitor. That's okay. We're just going to go with this one. It's no big deal. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for being the good Heavenly Father that is always faithful. God, you are always faithful. No matter what's going on, God, you are so faithful. You're amazing and awesome, God. You're just incredible. God, you're all powerful. God, we just honor you today, and we thank you for honoring us with your presence, God. Thank you for meeting with us today. And God, I'm just asking for you to just give us downloads from heaven today. Holy Spirit, as, as I'm speaking, I pray that, that it would be your words that come out and hit our hearts today. God, we came to hear you speak, and so we're asking you to speak, Lord. We're here. We're listening. We're gathered to hear you speak. So, Heavenly Father... 
I pray that you would just give us a Father's blessing today. If you have something special for every person in this room, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, Galatians chapter 3 says this. It says, if you belong to Christ, this is in the Amplified Version, if you belong to Christ, you're in him who is Abraham's seed. So Christ is Abraham's seed. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to promise. So Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. This is out of the book of Galatians, okay? So he wrote this to this church. Now what you have to know about the people of Galatia, why this is so important that Paul's saying this, is because there was a group of people going around and teaching their version of Christianity that was a heavy emphasis in Judaism that was basically saying, if you're going to really follow after God, then let's teach you the way. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but uh, we also have as part of our membership package, you need to be circumcised. And so <laughs> that, that was a hard membership package that they were trying to sell to the church in Galatia. <laughs> like, okay, everybody line up here, man. You know, no, everybody's like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, uh, no more next steps class for me. I'm done with that one, All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Paul goes, and he writes this letter to the churches of Galatia, and he wants to set them straight. And he tells them, hey, look, you guys are heirs. You're seeds of Abraham. You're, you're actually heirs with Christ. There's, you're heirs unto the promise. So he wanted to solidify. So then a bunch of men exhaled. They're like, whoo, man, thank God. We like Paul. These other guys, I don't know, but we like Paul, you know. And so Paul exhorts them, and he tells them this, that you're heirs of Abraham, that you're, 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 being, a, a, you're being adopted into that family lineage. Now, what's, what he's talking about there literally is the messianic promises that came through that it said there was prophecies that the Messiah, Jesus, would come through the lineage, the family line of David, but go back and trace it back up through Abraham, that through the, through the seeds of Abraham. And so Paul tells him this, and some people just stop right there, but there's so much more blessing that's available to you. There's no greater blessing than the blessing of salvation. That's, that's the greatest thing, first and foremost. And Gal the book of Galatians is like, it's a thesis on salvation that comes that just by the grace of God, we receive that. And there's nothing you could do to earn that. And so the question then should be, well, who's this Abraham guy? And if you're new to uh, authentic church, if you're new to the Christian faith, and you're wondering who is this Abraham guy, we're going to go back and we're going to look because Abraham was, is known as the father of faith. He, he's known as a patriarch. When people in the Jewish faith refer to God, they would refer to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the question would be, well, what's so great about this Abraham guy? What happened with him? So let me outline this to you. There's four types of fathers that we have in this world. Number one is we have God the Father. God the Father is the prototype. He's the perfect father, all right? There's nothing wrong in him. He's, he's, the, he's, he's the perfect picture of what a father is. The second type of father is a physical father. For me, I have my dad, Pat, and I get to see him tonight. I'm so excited, and someday when dad's watching this, hi, dad, we're celebrating your Father's Day, all right? So that's my physical father. But then we have spiritual fathers. Uh, you're, a, a spiritual father doesn't help birth you, but he does help you become born again, okay? So a spiritual father is somebody that leads you into the things of God. So for me, 
I have a number of spiritual fathers in my life. One of them is Pastor Fred Kropp, who you guys have met. He's been here a number of times. He would be a spiritual father to me. And then you have father figures. Growing up, we had some father figures. I had an uncle that was like a father figure. Uh, you might have had a coach or a teacher that was a father figure. I know we got a few coaches in the room, Chris, Jason, and others coach uh, different young men. There, you, you can be a father figure to them, giving them a good picture of God the Father on the earth. So, so Paul tells all these Galatians, he said, hey, you guys, you guys are heirs of Abraham. You're, in, in other words, he's now a father of faith to you. And so what God put on him now God is given to you. So go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, it records what is known as the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. You guys know this. Uh, it, 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 a covenant is where two people would come together, and there's two types of covenants that you see, two primary types of covenants you see in the Bible. There's conditional covenants. If you do this, then I'll do that. If I do this, then you do that, right? That's conditional. And then there's these unconditional covenants. The Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. And so Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, uh, the Lord is speaking, and he's having this moment with Abram. He later changed his name to Abraham, so he added the breath. That ha was the breath piece. He put the breath into that, and uh, that's a whole other teaching. But the Lord said to Abram, he said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household... To the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Five times God says, I will. He says, I will. Five times. He says it in that little statement of the Abrahamic covenant. He says, I will do this. Five is important. Five, the number five in the Bible symbolizes God's grace. It's the, it's the goodness. It's the unearned, unmerited favor from God. The Ten Commandments we talked about a few weeks ago with Shavuot and Pentecost. Shavuot was when the Ten Commandments was given. The Ten Commandments broken up into two sets of five. The first five is all about our relationship with God. The second five is all about our relationship with other people. The first five commandments related to helping us understand and grow in God and how to revere him. The next five of how to understand and, and communicate with each other. There's five different types of offerings that God commanded the children of Israel to bring. There was the burnt offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings. The book of Psalms is divided into five major sections. There's the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch, right? Penta meaning five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? The anointing oil recipe that's mentioned in Exodus, it contained five key ingredients of myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil. The number five, grace, unearned favor. So five times, God tells Abraham, I'm going to do something. When God says he's going to do something, it's important to take note what he's going to do. That's why it's so important for us as believers to be in the word of God and understanding God's promises for your life. If you don't understand God's promises for your life, you don't understand the blessings that come through having your relationship with God. And when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That's why men, you and I, we are needing to keep our promises to our kids. 
When you tell your kids something, we need to keep our promise. When you don't, as a man of God, you are to be an image bearer of God to your family. To your family. And when you don't keep your promise, then your kids look at God as somebody that doesn't keep his promises. And some of us, maybe you've had a broken relationship with your earthly father and it's affected your eternal relationship with your heavenly father. So you hear something like this and you want to believe, but you, you kind of have a hard time believing. That's why getting in the word of God is so critical. You have to get into the word of God. Open the Bible for yourself. We can't just come together on a Sunday and open the word of God and, and I hope you get something out of today and it's always great. I always leave feeling full. I hope you do too. But I can only live off of a meal for so long. If you're fasting the rest of the week, at some point you will feel weak in your faith. <laughs> you need to eat of the word of God every single day. He's your daily bread. So let me pull out a few points there where the Lord's speaking to Abraham and he says, go from your country. The first point that I want to, I have five points today in line with the five I wills that God gives to Abraham. The first point is men of God and people of God need to be led by God. God said, go to the land that I will show you. You need to be led by God, not by emotions and not by culture. We have a lot of people that make decisions based on emotion. You never want to make a decision of who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, what you're, you don't want to do, you don't want to make big decisions based on emotions. We make decisions based on the word of God and getting wise counsel from others. So number one, be led by God. God said, go where to the land that I'm going to show you. And God leads every one of us on a journey. Sometimes it's a physical journey, like when you're moving states, like we were living in Texas and God called us to come to the promised land of California. And we were like, thank you, Jesus, you're sending us, hallelujah. But all of us go on a spiritual journey. And for your entire life, you're going to have seasons of mountains and valleys and everything in between. And the key to it is staying close to him where he can tell you to do something that seems so crazy, where your family's like, you're nuts, I can't believe you're moving, you're nuts, and you would go anyway. Where God says to go and to do this, when you're, when you're close to God, when you're spending time in his presence, it's easy to hear his words lead you. So at this time, when God speaks this to Abram, he's living in a land called Ur, it would be in modern day Baghdad, if anybody knows where that's at over in the Middle East. And so he's living there, and the people there and, and all around him, they were known for being moon worshipers. So the moon would come out, they'd be worshiping the moon. So the moon goes through different seasons, and they would go through different times of worshiping the moon. So their whole life was centered around worshiping a moon. And God calls this guy Abram. Why did God call Abram? It's a good question. Like, of all the people you could have picked, why'd you pick him? I believe one of the reasons God picked Abram is because Abram would be a guy that actually would take and teach his children and future generations the things of God. See, God had a plan that he was going to make Abram into a great nation because he wanted that nation, those people, that family. He wanted how they did life to be an example, a, a bit of a poster child, if you would, for all other nations to look and go, wow, that's the way you are as a husband. That's the way you are as a parent. That's the way that you do business. That's the way you do this. And so through the years, you've seen the Jewish people follow after their father in the faith, Abram. And one of the things that they did as a community that they still do to this day is they pray blessings over their children. And the blessings carry incredible weight. 
But God had to get Abram out of the land of Ur, away from the moon worshipers. He needed to take him out from that situation. And some of you, as you're on your spiritual journey, God's going to lead you to pull away from some people and maybe some places where it's like, no, 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 I, I need there to be a separation in those relationships for your good and for the good of future generations. So to the men in this room, I just want to encourage you that we are to be the image bearers of God, and I want to encourage us to turn up the spiritual climate in our home. We're, we're to be uh, thermostats, not thermometers, right? The thermostat sets the temperature in the room. It doesn't just read the temperature in the room. As a dad, my job is to set the spiritual atmosphere of my family. I'm called as a, as a believer in Christ. When you, be, when you come to believe in Christ, you become the, the, the king in your home. There was a kingly anointing on Jesus. You become the priest in your home, and you become the prophet in your home. That's the anointing that comes on you as a dad, as a believer in Christ. So we need to walk in that authority as a king, a prophet, and a priest in our home. In uh, Timothy 2.8, here's Paul. He writes to young Timothy. Timothy, by the way, was from the area of, of Galatia, where Paul wrote the book of Galatians, to, who, to whom Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And Timothy was kind of like a, he, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. He's kind of a spiritual son. And so Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.8, he says, hey, Timothy, I desire everywhere that men would pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. And I just want to encourage you men, and I want to inform you women as well. This scripture speaks to the biggest areas that men, that we get attacked in. When, it, when he says, lift up holy hands, that's related to our purity. It's never been harder to live pure than it is right now in our day and age. It says, without wrath. At some point, most men who are honest, they'd say, I've struggled with anger, rejection, resentment. And then Paul tells Timothy, look for men with the holy hands without wrath and without doubting your faith. Our faith gets it. Did God say? Did he really say? Did he really tell me to do this? Did he really tell me, lead me to give that? Did he really? So those three areas you'll be attacked in. So because we know this, this is a bit of a playbook for us men, we just need to be on guard and put a shield up in our purity. Be on guard and not make emotional decisions or sin in our anger. Be on guard with our faith and build ourselves up in our holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit and getting into the Word of God. I took my son River recently for his 13th birthday on uh, what we call the primal path. And it's, it's like at 13, you're entering into manhood. So I took him up and he didn't have any idea what was going on for the weekend. And the weekend started with Fawn having what we call this severing dinner. And that's where she basically has a dinner with River and says, up until this point, I've been your primary source to fill you and to care for you emotionally. And God created me as a woman to be a little bit more nurturing than your dad. So God gives babies to women because women are naturally more nurturing. And I've nurtured and I've cared for you. And you've come to me with some of the issues you've gone through emotionally and stuff. But I'm telling you now, I'm not going to be there for you in that capacity anymore. I'm going to be there for you as your mom. But for that, I want you to go now to your dad. You're entering into manhood. And it was this beautiful moment where Fawn is now telling my son, you need to go to your dad. He's going he's gonna to father you in some manly aspects that I don't have. So I'm going to give you over to your dad. And now he is going to be a big source of that emotion and that, that growth for you in that capacity. 
And so she cried, and then she gave him a promise ring. And on his promise ring, it's, it's written in Hebrew, it says unconditional love. And we just wanted to remind him. She said, I want to remind you that no matter what you go through in life, you have unconditional love from your heavenly father, and you'll always have unconditional love from me as your mother and your dad. And so they cry, and they kind of have a moment, you know, and then, and then, uh, then that weekend that I took River away up into the mountains, and the first thing that I did with him is I had him jump into an ice-cold lake as a baptism symbol of coming into manhood. So we get up to the mountains, and he's there, and we're looking at this gorgeous mountain lake uh, up, up in the uh, San Bernardino Mountains, and, and I just said, all right, son, I said, uh, it begins here. I said, you know, there's a primal path, and the generations, the last few generations have lost it, but every... Uh, every people group always had a path that they brought their young men through. And I said, you know, I have searched and I've, I've found the primal path and I'm going to outline it for you. And he's like, all right, what do I got to do? And I said, the first thing we're going to do is you're going to go and jump in that lake. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm totally serious. So we, we get up there. He's like, all right. And so River, like a boss, man, he went down, and it was a cold. It was like 40 degrees up in the mountains. It was ice cold in the lake. He went in there, and he came down, and he came up, and we're screaming and yelling and going crazy, man, you know. And he's coming up shivering, and I wrap him up in a big old towel, give him a hug, and then we jump in the car, and then we drove to a warm cabin where he could take a shower, you know. And so we're there, and we're having a moment. And during, during that, 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 that time with him, I, uh, I, I told him, shared some difficult stuff that I went through, some rejection that I faced, some sin that I had in my life when I was a young man and things I fell into, and, and some wrong that people had done to me through the years that really, really wounded me. And uh, I said, but being a man of God, I had to move past those hurts. I had to move past and move into a place of forgiveness and blessing. And that's what being a man of God is all about. We need to move to a place where we forgive, we let go, and we bless. And I said, is there anything you want to leave in your past? And he said, yeah. So I said, let's write it down. So he spent some time writing down. I'm cooking him up a big juicy steak for his birthday, you know, in the kitchen area. And he writes it all down. And he's like, all right, I'm done. I said, now what are we going to do with it? I said, we're going to burn it. So we took it and we threw it in the fire and we burnt it. And then we took communion together as a father and son. And we just kind of had a moment. It was really, really special. And I gave him a, uh, this, this present. The present inside of it was, a, it was a 50 cal ammo box for some of you guys that know what that looks like. So I give him this 50 cal ammo box and he opens it up and there's a, there's a pen and the pen's heavy and then there's a journal. And, uh, and I said, the only thing that we're going to write in this journal is what we do on this primal path through manhood for the next number of years. He's like, all right. And he's holding the pen. And he's like, this is heavy. And I said, yep, it's a heavier, it's a nice pen. I said, I want you to feel the weight of your words as a man of God. Your words carry weight. So when you speak, when you write, those words carry weight. And so he was just like, okay, Dad, you know. And so we wrote some stuff and we talked. And, and then that night we watched Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> Edited, by the way. <laughs> but we, we got the good stuff in it, you know. And then the next day I took him up to Joshua Tree and we hiked uh, up to the top of Hemingway. If you've been there, it's an incredible hike and a heavy risk, risk factor. Glad mom wasn't there for that hike and kind of climbing, you know. And we got, like, no helmet, no, no ropes, and we're scaling up there, super sketch. And we get to the top, and then I have my last present for him. And I looked out over the whole valley with him up at Joshua Tree, and, and I said, you know, I said, the children of Israel, they wandered for 40 years in an area about this size. And I said, do you know why they wandered? He said, yeah, for their unbelief. And I said, you're right. And I said, as a man of God, we do not live according to circumstance or situations. Being a man of God is not situational. 
when everything is good. It's not circumstantial when everything is set up for us. We're a man of God, and in, in our, in, in our lives, the word of God and his spirit's going to lead us. And then I had him open his last present. It was this old compass. And, uh, and so that's what he had. And we just kind of had a prayer moment there. And then he goes, I feel like we should get up right now, Dad, and yell, uh, Jesus loves you across the whole valley to everybody. And I said, let's do it. So we got up. We're like, Jesus loves you. You know, and there's hikers and climbers way in the distance, you know, and, and, so, and, and, and so that was just kind of our moment. I just want to tell you that God the Father is yelling from on high, I love you, I love you, I love you. And his word, he wants to lead, guide, and direct your steps. His spirit is going to lead, guide, and direct you. And for those of you that have given your life to Christ that are going to be baptized today, it's going to be, there's going to be a freshness that you've never felt that's going to come into your life. And you're on an awesome journey. Amen? Amen. So I tell that to my son, and people are like, man, that's pretty massive. And I say, well, you know, Jesus needed to hear from his father in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. In other words, God is saying, he's my Son. He's my Son. I'm well pleased. God is saying, you're his Son. Brett Favre, who's one of my favorite uh, football players of all time, he had a a QB speech years ago. I think he was 48, 49 years old when he was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame. And when he's up there, at the end of his speech, he says, Dad, I hope I made you proud. Now, this guy, he'd won tons of Super Bowls. He set all these records in, in his area, area of expertise in his world. One of the greatest that had ever been. One of the greatest that had ever been. And still, there was a piece inside of him that's like, God, or Dad, did I make you proud? There's a, there's a hole inside of all of us that says, Dad, I, I want to make you proud. And for us as parents, it's really important, especially you dads, you make sure that you tell your sons, your daughters, I'm proud of you. I love you. That it's not based on anything they do. It can't be conditional. It has to be unconditional. There's no, nothing you could do that could ever earn my love. I'm proud of you. I love you. So again, point number one, men of God, people of God, we need to be led by God. Number two. God's calling you to walk in kingdom authority. He said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That na nation, it represents dominion. Joshua 1.3, God told Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. Men and women of God, we need to walk in the kingdom authority that you have. You have authority. You've been called and mandated by God to bring the culture in the kingdom of heaven to the earth. So you need to take authority, stand up and take authority in different areas of your life. Number one, be led by God. Number two, walk in kingdom authority. And number three, you have to know that God wants to bless you. Some people have a bit of a mindset based on maybe things you went through with your own earthly father or things that you've experienced in their life and they don't have the mindset, does God really want to bless me? Yes, he wants to bless you. Now, I'm not talking like, you know, the weird prosperity gospel. By the way, if you put anything in front of the gospel, it's not the gospel, okay? But, I, you know, people that are like, you know, blabbing, gratitude, lay, lay hands on a Cadillac and all that stuff. Hey, if God leads you to go pray and stretch and reach for something, stretch and reach for something. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that, but that can't be your focus. That can't be your focus. That's where people get off on that. And God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your life. If you don't believe it, I want to just want to read a few scriptures for you. There, the, the, I talked about the Ten Commandments. Well, uh, the, of, the, 
of the back half of the Ten Commandments, right? The first Ten Commandments are all about us and God. The next half are all us and our relationship with other people. The first of the five commandments that deals with our relationship with people is what's known as the first command that came with the prominence. It's the fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your mother and father, then you will live a long and full life. That's why it's so important that we build men up, not beat them up. The culture is doing enough to beat the men up. We need to build them up. Here at Authentic Church, we have a commitment to build men up and honor you. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Meaning he doesn't want you to be so wealthy that you have what's called the poverty of riches. It's like, yeah, I made a lot of money, but I had nobody to spend it with. Yeah, I could go here and there and do anything, but man, what, what was the purpose in my life? You know, after you, my brother and I, my brother's in town, my brother and his wife right here, and, you know, they're visiting us from Texas. We were talking the other day, and we, we've had the honor of being, being around some pretty influential people that had, had wealth. And at, at some point, you can only have so many jets, at some point, so many yachts, so many trips to Europe, so many houses, so many, somebody's like, I would take that. Yeah, I know, me too, brother. And so at some point, it's like the stuff is just stuff. The, the, the trips are just trips. It's who you spend it with, right? God doesn't want to see you prosperous and blessed and then be filled with sorrow and anguish and everything. No, he wants you to enjoy it. Psalms 128 verse 2, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. This is God's heart for you. Deuteronomy 30 verse 9, the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of what? The work of your hand. Some people say, oh yeah, bless the work of my hands. They forget that it's going to take some work, all right? It's a lot of work. <laughs> the work of your hand, the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of your ground, for the Lord will again take delight in prospering you. He gets excited about that. For you, if you the, any parents in the room, you get excited when your kids are doing good in their job. You get excited when they get that promotion. You get excited when they saved up the money and bought that house. I mean, that's a joy. Your heavenly father is like that and so much more. There's, and then there's some blessings that are conditional, like Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall, Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. What covenant is he talking about? The Abrahamic covenant. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, the church. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ. People of God, we need to teach our children about money. For Fawn and I and our family, we actually tithe as a family. So my kids know what comes in. People say, oh, I don't know if that's wise. Hey, if you look through the Old Testament, everybody knew how many cattle dad had. It wasn't hidden. They knew how what was going on the offering block. Like they, they knew what they were tithing. And it was an opportunity for dad to be able to say, look how blessed we are. And this first lamb that's being born into our flock right now, we don't know how many more lambs we're going to get, but we got a good one spotless right now. And we're going to give that as, as our first offering to the Lord. That's holy. You know, Cain and Abel, people are like, why did God accept Abel's but didn't accept Cain's? Well, Cain, over a course of time, it says over a course of time, Cain finally said, oh, fine, I'll bring something to God. Abel brought the best. 
That's the difference. We bring God the best. So I teach my kids about money. I teach them about budgeting. I teach them about earning. I teach them about giving. I don't want the school system teaching them about money. I don't want the world and the credit card companies teaching them about money. I want to teach them about money. So we need to give them wisdom. But God is a good father, and he longs to bless you. It is his nature to, bl to bless you. So number one, be led by God. Number two, walk in kingdom authority. Number three, you have to know that God wants to bless you. And number four, the fourth reminder out of this Abrahamic covenant is you are an influencer, men of God. You are an influencer. I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. Not for your own greatness, right? Not to get the world looking at you and going, oh, wow, they are phenomenal, so incredible. You're an influencer. Some of you might be influencers more than others. You're all influencers there. We're all called to influence. And by the way, greatness, true influence, greatness comes from godliness. And the purpose of our prosperity that we just read about is to God, have godly influence that helps to prosper others. One of the greatest joys that I have I used to do recruiting years ago, and so I'm a bit of an expert. I've probably interviewed and hired and fired over a 1,000 people in my career. So I'm really, really good at helping people prepare for an interview. So when I get somebody in the interview process, in, or in our church that's going through the interview process, I'm like, all right, let me coach you. Let me boil this down. Let me help you negotiate more money. I'm really good at that in the interview process. I've helped a lot of people, coached them through it. And literally, like I've seen people go into a job interview, and then they got $10,000 more <laughs> for their jobs, and even more so, just by putting into place a few coaching tips, if you will, in that process. The Lord wants to coach you through different things in your life. He wants to pass, he wants us so that we're a blessing to help be a blessing to others, to pass along wisdom, favor, faith, right? Once we, those godly attributes need to be instilled into the next generation. Now, we can influence people for good or for evil. There's a lot of people that are pretty influential in this world. They got massive followings, but they're leading people down the wrong path. We want to lead them through the path of righteousness. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Men, don't discipline your kids out of anger. I've done it. Every man has probably done it at some point. I just want to encourage you. Remember the words you speak, like that pen that I gave River. Your words carry weight. And as the father, as a spiritual head in your household, you have to guard your words. And you have to guard how you discipline your kids. I want to throw up a few facts on fatherlessness. There's an epidemic in the world right now where we see a lack of fathers. And here at Authentic Church, we want to raise up. And for those of you, you're saying, I'm not a father. Everybody can father somebody. Everybody can be a father figure to somebody. And so I just want to share some of these statistics that are a bit alarming. There's 18.4 million children in America. And 25% of them that adolescent population will have, there, there's uh, the fatherless generation out of 18, uh, is 18.4 million people, children. They have a four times greater risk of poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems, two times the greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to commit crime and go to prison. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of school. These are homes that don't have a father figure, don't have a male role model, don't have a, a physical father or a stepfather or any father figure in the community. That's why it's so important for us as men of God 
to live a life worthy of following so that we can be an example to those young boys and girls that may not have a dad at home. You men get to be a father figure in them. What an honor. So we need to be men who are led by God, walk in kingdom authority, understand the blessings are from God, that we take our influence seriously. And then the last point, point number five, is men who live in the freedom of forgiveness. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. In other words, let it go. You don't need to, make, you don't need to go and make that right. You just let that go. And I'm going to have Kara join me up front on the piano, if you could, Kara. We're going to land the plane here. You got to let God deal with those who hurt you. You got you, you to gotta, you gotta forgive them like I walked my son through some of the stuff that I dealt with when I was a, a young man. You got to walk away from those things. You, you, you got to ask for forgiveness and you got to receive your forgiveness. And maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you've done some stuff that you personally regret. God wants to set you free from those. He doesn't want you filled with regret. And the way that you re get rid of that is by just getting right with Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, or I want to, I, ha I have a relationship, but man, we need to kind of clean the slate right now. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that when prayed from the heart, it just restores right relationship between you and, and God, your Heavenly Father. And beyond that, God doesn't want you to just pray a prayer. He's calling you to go and, and become a follower of His. And every follower of Jesus was water baptized. So if you're here today and you haven't been water baptized, or maybe it was a long time ago that you were water baptized, I just want to encourage you, get water baptized today. What are you waiting for? Today is your day. When you're water baptized, man, things are going to change. It's going to be a beautiful moment. You say, I didn't bring any clothes. That's cool. I got a black t-shirt that says authentic on it. And then we have a tattoo artist showing up afterwards. I gotta, I'm kidding. We have a black t-shirt for you. And you can have a towel you just wrap around. Whatever. Bring it back next week. But don't let this day pass without getting baptized. Baptism was always a sign of a sold-out follower of Christ. Throughout the scriptures. So yeah, we're going to pray a prayer. And that... That's going to start things. But then you got to go into the waters. And it's your own choice today. So just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, would you just forgive me of any wrong that I've done? Make me clean. Forgive me of my sins. Any time that I miss the mark of your perfect will, would you just forgive me, God? Lord, would you just right now forgive me and restore our right relationship? I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And I just declare, God, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. I'm going to live for Jesus for all of my days. And I believe that I'm going to dwell in your house for all of eternity. That right now, as I confess my sin before you and receive Jesus as my Savior, my name's being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So important that you move past from those father wounds, man. If you don't, you're going to bleed on your family when they don't cut you. You need to move past those wounds. Jacob, at the end of his life, so there's the God of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob. Jacob, at the end of his life, there's a beautiful picture of him gathering his kids together. He gathers all his sons together. He's old in age. Jacob screwed up so many times. He had times where he had regrets. He had times where he swindled his brother. And he, he has some regrets, but he, he, ends, he ends strong. He ends right. And he gathers his kids together, and he says in verse, chapter 49, verse 1, says, Then Jacob called his sons, and he said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to your father. And he goes down, and he speaks a blessing, and even prophesies over all of his sons. And then in verse 28, it says, All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. He ends the prayer this way. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with a blessing suitable to him. God the Father has a blessing that's custom-tailored for you. He has a blessing that's suited just for you. And I'm going to ask every man in the house just to stand where you're at today. I want to declare a blessing over your lives. Every man, stand up. And I want to bless you today. C.S. Lewis had this quote. He said, God loves us, not because we're lovable, but because he is love. Not because he needs to receive, but because he delights to give. God wants to bless you today. And men, I just want you, if you've never maybe turned your hands to the Lord, maybe that's odd for you. I was raised Catholic, so lifting my hands out of my pockets was unique. I just want to encourage you, though. Just lift your, just put your hands in a position of receiving today. Like, like just receiving a gift from God, that he wants to give you a gift today. I just want you to receive this blessing. I just want to pray God's blessing over you. And if there's anybody around the men, maybe you can just put a hand on the, the back or the, the shoulder of the man that you're standing next to or sitting next to. In Jesus' name, I declare that you are blessed. In Jesus' name, I declare that you are forgiven. Having prayed that prayer and put your faith in Jesus, you're forgiven. Old things have passed away. You have became, you've become new. You're new. You're a new creation in Christ. The old's gone. You've been forgiven of anything you've ever done. You've been forgiven. Now walk in that forgiveness. I declare blessing over your lives. I declare in the name of Jesus that authentic church men, you are men of purity. You are men of holiness. You are men who are fierce and bold and courageous in Jesus' name. You are men who are full of the Holy Spirit. I declare blessings over your life. In the name of Jesus, you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. I declare that you are men of faith, and you are faithful men in Jesus' name. I declare that you will be led by the Spirit of God. You will not be led by emotions or a culture of fear. That you will walk in the ways of God all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever in the name of Jesus. I pray strength to you that might feel weary, hope for you that might feel hopeless. I declare that you are men of God's word, you have the mind of Christ, and you are full of faith in the name of Jesus. I pray the blessing of God over your home, the prosperity at the work of your hands, that you would be able to, at the end of your life, look back and think, I did it. I did the best I, did, I could, God, with what you gave me. And every fiber of my being, God, and I just glorify you. In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.
Thank you for listening. 